Hi there and welcome to the latest edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is brought to you by Fans for Fans and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 196 uh, of the Jersnet Podcast. I'm your host tonight, uh, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say to you every week guys, it's not just the pod that we have here at Jersnet. If you get yourself onto the website, you'll, you'll find the forums there, uh, articles, uh, there's a history archive on the, the website as well. And obviously as I say to you every week as well, if you could give us... Give us a wee mention, you know, promote us online, say to your friends who haven't listened to us yet, you know, get the word out there on social media, tell everybody that, that we're here and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, please, if you can. Uh, before I move on uh, <laughs> to discuss yesterday's game, which is uh, not something I'm overly looking forward to, I have to say, uh, I have to mention uh, our partners at Zenith Coins, who produce the official Rangers Club coin. Uh, each gold-plated coin has a unique serial number. Uh, engraved on the outer rim it comes complete with a Rangers presentation box and, for, and certificate of authenticity uh, it's easy for me to say uh, a, a rake of famous Rangers supporters uh, including Alan McCoy Sterry Johnson Marvin Andrews uh, Tom Stoltman and Gordon Ramsay all own one of these collections Zenith has now also produced a 150th anniversary collection uh, there's a limited amount there's only 1,872 of these available <coughs> they're released in small batches uh, they, they, they celebrate five iconic milestones in Rangers history, uh, which is the founding fathers, Ibrook Stadium, the 1972 Cup Winners' Cup win in Barcelona, nine in a row, and the 55th league title. If you're looking for more information, uh, get yourself on to www.zenithcoins.com and use discount code GN10. Uh, right, on to yesterday's absolute in shambles. Uh, I've, I've got two uh, stalwarts of the pod. Uh, to, to go through yesterday's game I think it's fair to say that none of us uh, were happy that we were going to be coming on the night to discuss this but it is what it is and we just need to get on it so John I'll come to you first uh, uh, how are you? how was your weekend? was it as shit yeah. as mine? <laughs> I had a nice Friday night I, I think I said to you I was um, for reasons of daft superstition I decided to spend yesterday uh, on a Scottish mountain and um, come back and watch the game after and uh, it poured with rain. There was a close to hurricane winds at one point uh, near the summit, and uh, I still had a better time there than uh, I would have had, I think, if I'd watched the game live. Um, but that's how it goes. That's yeah. how it goes. We've been here before. We have. That's that's something we'll probably come on to discuss. I mean, my weekend started on Friday night. Uh, my son was playing on Friday night over in uh, Kirkcaldy. And they for got uh, for Kamelon uh, for the development squad, yeah. So and they got beat ten nothing. So I kind of <laughs> had a feeling then, but it was it was it was going to be it was going to be a, a a bad weekend. And so it turned out. And went to the Kamelon game yesterday after the Rangers game. They got beat three two. So yeah, every single team that I've went to watch this. <laughs> oh, been, you get the feeling been, that you're a, It's maybe me. Yeah, I feel I, say, I'm the common denominator here. <laughs> yeah, it could be me. It could be me. But to be honest, the the, the following week his team won and he scored. Rangers won. You know, so you know, swings and roundabouts, I suppose. But yeah, I had a feeling driving back over the, the Queen's Ferry Cross, and this could be a shit weekend. You know what I mean? And so it has turned out to be. Uh, Dougie, how shit was your weekend? Uh, just mediocrely shit, or really shit? Really shit. Really like shit. I'm one of the one of the fans. I think most listeners will probably resonate with that when Rangers put in a performance like that, it just influences my mood. And when I look at the weekend, uh, it's a shit weekend because. You know, I, I can't even think about anything else I did Friday to Sunday. I just think back to, to yesterday afternoon and that absolute shit show that we had to watch. 
Yeah, aye, I mean, it was bad, and, and we'll, we'll try and pick the bones out of it. Uh, but aye, it's, it's, it's definitely, aye, it's been a bad weekend. I should give a shout out, actually, to all our, uh, you know, uh, the extra viewers that we have tonight that we always get <laughs> when they bastards turn us over. So hello to all the Tims that are joining us. Uh, and get it right up, he's. Uh, so, so let's get in. Let's get into to to, to, to yesterday's uh, shambles, John. I'll, I'll come to you first. I mean, a really a, like a shocking result. Really bad. Uh, really bad performance. And one you would have to say that even so early on uh, in the season, kind of leaves us looking in a sort of precarious position in terms of winning the league. Uh, you know, you consider we're going to Petardry next week, which we'll, we'll discuss. You know, and I think the next away game after that's Tynecastle, you know, two or three weeks' time. So we're already at the stage where we, we can't afford to drop any more points. And, you know, it's, it's, it's now a year since we beat them in the league. You know, a, a lot of Rangers fans laughing at Steven Gerrard and he's sort of troubles at the moment. Although I was, I, was, I was chuffed to see him get a decent result yesterday and take the pressure off. But I mean, that invincibility that he built up when it came to Celtic, I mean, they, they couldn't touch us for a bit. You know the best part of two years in these games uh, under Steven Gerrard. I mean that's gone. That, that's completely gone. And for the same sort of game to happen twice, you know, it was it was almost identical to that game in February. Unforgivable, really. You know, really, really poor. Yeah, there's not a lot you can say. To you know, you get turned over four 0 by Celtic, then that's, that's, there's you know we we can hunt around, we can dig deep to try and find redeeming moments, but there weren't many. Um, you know, and I know we will analyse it in a, in a little more depth and um, aspects of the game. I felt we didn't carry a lot of luck in, but that aside, for nothing is just a shocking result and one that that will haunt us for weeks and weeks. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the club, in many ways, having the Ajax game coming straight up is maybe a blessing. Uh, it maybe forces us to to try and bounce back quite quickly a couple of hard games coming up a couple of difficult games coming up uh, we'll have a look to see what this squad is actually made of I don't have a great deal to say other than um, reiterate what you said to yourself I think the biggest disappointment uh, was that it's Groundhog Day that we have seen this before yeah. in the not too distant past um, aspects of Celtic's play are fairly predictable and for some reason, we chose not to not to deal with that. Uh, you know, let's not pretend they don't have some good players. They do have some good players. You know, that, 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 that's gonna, they, they are the champions, and they are a decent team. But I don't think there's a four goal difference between those two squads. But there was yesterday. Yesterday, one team looked up for it, looked fired up, looked like they knew what they were doing, and one team didn't. And uh, one team was was quite ponderous and pedestrian um, and uh, you know even watching it with even watching it by and I watched it you know as <laughs> a glutton for punishment I had to watch it because I knew I was coming on here you know, instead of just giving a chance to completely miss it I then had to watch it again <laughs> and, and you do watch a game differently when you know the score um, you know you, the, the, it's not the same emotion involved. yeah the emotion's going you don't have yeah, the yeah, same yeah. fury at what's going on around you you do take it in slightly differently and um so from that perspective, you do you do view it slightly differently, but but nothing can change the fact that that you know, one team was hungrier, and there is never any excusing that. You know, you can 
you know, you can say certain players are limited. You can say certain players are better than other players. You can do that. You know, you can't blame somebody for not being as fast as someone else, but you can look at them and say, you guys weren't hungry enough. You guys didn't come with the hunger that, that you have to go. Um, frustrated that Celtic have a style of play and we'll probably look at it in a little more depth. Celtic have a style of play. I really don't know why we... I think you have to bring... Frankly, I think you have to bring Schutthausen into this. I think that's how you have to deal with them, uh, particularly in their own patch. I think you have to disrupt how they play. I think you have to get in faces. I think you have to disrupt the game, the flow of the game, because they want that game to flow quickly. That's part of their of their game. And I, you have to be able to stop. You have to stand in front of every free kick. Three yeah. of you. So they can't take it. You know, you have to be, you have to turn into Atletico Madrid. You just have to be this horrible team that disrupts how they play. Because if you let them play, they'll play through you because they're good at it. But yeah, only if you let them do it. Don't let them do it. Stop it. Stop it at source. Yeah. And and I think we do have the players capable of doing that. But for some reason, we chose not to. And I don't know if you're going to go through the individual goals, but but certainly on, I think, the second goal, we would just, you know, we turned our back. You know, Kent and, and Lundstrom just turned their back to the ball. Um, and that, that's unforgivable. I think, you know, I think you were being... Um, I think you were, you're, you're probably going to give the goalie a hard time, which I think is a touch harsh, but we'll deal with that. But, but there's, there, there, there can be no forgiving the, the, the lack of application, the lack of desire. That, that's, you know, there's, there's no forgiving that. And, and, you know, we were beat by half time. That's poor as well. Again. Uh, again, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. I, I, and oddly, I went into the game, you never go into these games particularly confident, but having the last two games of last season, uh, when we drew at Parkhead and, and we won um, at Hamden, I, I went in thinking, right, we've figured them out. We've figured out how to play them. Um, I was a little nervous we didn't have Bassi. Uh, and ironically, um, Borna, who was probably my biggest concern in that game, probably our best player. He was, yeah. Um, on the well. day, I mean, it's it's not a high bar, um, but but he was probably the best player on the day, which is slightly ironic. Um, but uh, I, I thought we had, and, you know, yesterday suggested we haven't. Okay, I, I mean, the, the unforgivable aspect of this is, 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 as John alluded to there, it's, it's Groundhog Day. You know, this is, is almost identical to that game in February. You know, three and a half down at half time. The manner of the goals we conceded really poor. Now, <clears throat> sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes into that game in February, I was saying to my son, you know, the minute the ball goes out for a throw in, their ball boys are throwing it quite back, quick turnaround, we're, we're turning our back on the play. It's even the same when it goes out for a goal kick. You know, ball boy gives the ball to, to Joe Hart. And as we've got our back against play, Celtic already started uh, their next attack. Now, I got pissed off in that game in February that we weren't learning in-game that that's what they were doing. Right, we need to start switching on here. Because within 10, 15 minutes, it was obvious what they were doing. So to not learn in-game was unforgivable. To then compound that by repeating that sort of those same offences yesterday and then again not learning in game I mean after the first goal you would think right okay they've done us again we've switched off at the throw in and, and they've absolutely done us pretty much every goal has an element of us either switching off or handing it to them on a plate and to, to not learn that's what, that's what really fucking pisses me off about this it was just the same. It was it was almost like watching the same game again from Fede. Yeah, it was, Colin. Um, 
I think the first thing I want to say to kind of start off the show is I think we need to recognise that Celtic are a good team. We we get beat yesterday against a good team who look well drilled under a good manager who the turnaround under Ange for Celtic is is phenomenal. What what he's been able to achieve, the players he's been able to bring in and buy into his philosophy is admirable, first of all. But from our perspective, so many things were massively concerning. Um I think the most concerning thing for me was it was all just too predictable. The in-game play um, was predictable. You know, as you said there, Gio touched on it in his post-match press conference as well, where he said that he told the players to look out for the quick set pieces. And that's probably the biggest thing that concerns me right now is there's things that you you expect from players before or during a big game, like, like an old firm game. You expect the players to want to win. Celtic wanted to win more than us. They had a more desire to, 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 to win the game than us. But you need your big players to stand up and be counted. Our big players did not stand up to be counted. You go through the team, too many players who are key to how we play football were really, really poor. Um, but they clearly, as a team, didn't listen to the instructions from the manager. You know, the first goal, for example, we switched off. We switched off from a throw-in. Same with the second goal. And actually in the second goal, John's touched on it already, where they've, they've released the free kick early. I think we're very naive in both instances. The second goal in particular, um, Ryan Kent should be standing over the ball. But you can actually see the reaction from Gio when the quick free kick gets taken. He wants John Lindstrom to be closing down the, the man who gets the ball played to him. And I think that shows you there the most concerning thing is that the manager set out tactics and told the players what to expect and what to do, and they didn't execute his plan. And I think for me, that's the most frustrating thing, is the manager can put out a team, you can tell them what to do, but it's about how the players go and execute it, and I think that's where we failed. But I think going back to the team, I don't think the manager is blameless in all this. Don't get me wrong, I think the manager's starting 11 has been massively impacted by the loss of John Lawrence, I think uh, Tom Lawrence. I think when um, when Lawrence has has been yeah, going yeah, to miss the game, there. maybe the loss of John Lawrence is, is the grounds of all of this. <laughs> all of this, yeah, that is, a, that, is, that is a good point there, John. <laughs> I, I, I think when when Lawrence wasn't available to us, we've had to play a different style of play. We've played Tillman out on the right; he's wasted on the right. We've then ended up playing three number sixes in the middle of the park, and the minute you see the team sheet, you think. It's very conservative. It lacks imagination. It lacks creativity. And I think that's what we got. We got a team that was quite happy just passing the ball side to side with lack of intent. And it shows that we made the change at half time. But, it, you know, we're going to go on and, and, and talk about the team. We're going to go on and talk about the summer recruitment. For me, um, so many things concerning. But, but the biggest thing for me was that starting 11 and the team that finished the game was just massively concerning. John, like the first goal, you know, I think Ryan Kent does well initially. You know, he's alive. He goes over and, and, and I can't remember who he nips it off. But then he kind of loses possession. I know we were talking on the WhatsApp earlier today and you think it, it was a Rangers throw. I disagree. There was an angle from from the other side and it, it clearly comes off Kent uh, last before it was out. But, you know, regardless of, of what Kent thinks, whether it's his throw or, or Celtic's throw or whatever, he just doesn't react. You know what I mean? We, we don't react... We don't defend the cross. 
I know you're going to stick up for John McLaughlin again. We were having a wee blether on the WhatsApp earlier on, and, and you, you think some of the stuff being in them is a, a bit harsh. But I think John McLaughlin gets a strong hand on that shot, and I think he should be keeping it out if he gets a strong hand on it. Well, I have seen different. I've clearly seen different angles on it. I actually think you'd be harsh with Kent. I thought the first goal, you know, Kent walks away because he thinks he's got the, the throw in because it's a Rangers throw it, and the ref's got that wrong. Um, I don't think you can blame Kent for not defending what he thought was our ball. You know, um, so I think we've been a wee bit harsh there, and I think it'd been harsh on McLaughlin because I think the ball was well hit from very close range. Uh, you know, I, I think. You know, an exceptional goalkeeper might have got it, but I think I, I think to blame McLaughlin for it is tough. Look, let's not even talk about the fourth goal. Clearly McLaughlin's fault, but but I think the other three, you know, the one that went through his legs maybe. But anyway, let's stick with the first goal. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I, I, you know, it, it's switching off, but I also think the referee, I think the referee got that wrong. I think it's our, I think it's our throwing. I think you know Kent walks away assuming it's our throwing. Um, I, you know, I, I've seen it. I thought it was off throwing as well, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, the ball comes into the box too easily. Uh, as, again, you know, but um, I don't know. I think it, because it, of, because of the way Kent's reacted to it, I think the Rangers team assume it's our ball. Um, yeah, but so it's, 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 and then they go for it, and, and we do it. And this goes back to what we spoke about a minute ago. It's the is same. It's an issue, though, John. With there's similar goals to the goals in February. Balls coming in from that right-hand side and going to someone at the far post to, to, to score. You know, I, I, I thought Borna had a good game, but I, I do think he let... It, it was a badder that got the goal. I, I think he just lets him pull off. You know what I mean? We're not... We're just not from... I think from Kent to McLaughlin and everyone in between, we do not do our jobs. We do not defend the way we should be defending. We're not defending. You can't lose four goals, and 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 you know, if you lose four nothing, then there's no point in sticking up for the defence. Um, you know, I'm not sticking up for the defence. I think you're slightly harsh on John McLaughlin, um, but I think there's another ten players that are just as culpable um, for that because you defend as a team, and, and we didn't. You know, and, and um, you know, if the ball comes, if if they get the cross in, then the cross has to be defended. It wasn't defended. Um, so I'll an interesting thing where they, they, they pull ball out of position. You know, and you see it actually more clearly on one of the other goals. Um, and they just they deliberately pull him out of position. They pull him so he's no longer at the back post and one of the guys goes around the back. Um, and they've done it two or three times to us now. Um, and I think it actually ends up with Sands who's, who's, who's trying to cover um, because Bonner's been pulled to the front post because the player he's with goes to the front post. It's clearly deliberate. It works. Um, it, it, you see Celtic do it time and time again with folk coming out the back post and you're like well why isn't who's, who's meant to be there the guy who's meant to be there has gone to the front post because his player's gone to the front post uh, and one of their central players goes to the back um, and, and they, they did it in one of the other goals as well they're good at it if I can spot it and I know nothing if I can spot it I'm, I'm a little surprised that um, our, our coaching team haven't um, so I can only assume they have um, and I'm a little surprised we haven't figured out how to deal with it because, um, you know, they did that to us two or three times in the game. Um, you know, not, not, not everyone, thankfully, resulted in a goal, but they did it to us two, did it to us two or three times. We did it for one of the goals. Um, a Bonner, like you say, who had a good, who had a good game, he has to go with his man. You know, the guy makes it on at the front post, Bonner has to go with him. We can't let him go, but it leaves a big gap at the back post and Celtic are doing that deliberately. 
Yeah. Uh, the second goal, Dougie. Arguably the worst, I think. I mean, if you've taken McLaughlin's shit show out of proceedings, uh, arguably the worst. Now, McLaughlin humps it forward, flag goes up for offside. Now, the first thing that Kent does is he, he you know, he, even at amateur football, even when I played amateur football, he, he never handed a, a player the ball when they had a free kick. You held on to it and, and walked back five, ten yards to make sure that everyone's in position and then you give them it. You know what I mean? So the first thing, he just sort of hands them it to. And then Kamara, Lundstrom and Kent, again, don't react to O'Reilly being in space. Decent ball through, but again, I don't think we defend it well. And I, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm looking at McLaughlin again and thinking, what's he doing? There, there, there was one shot on, on Twitter today and as he's coming out, I'm actually surprised, going by this image that I've seen the day, that Jota went for the corner that he went because McLaughlin had left a huge gap his near post as, as he's coming running out. Uh, so yeah, just again another defensive shit show. It was, and sorry, John, I'm going to say I completely disagree with your assessment in the first goal, mate. Um, and I think the second goal, um, I used the word naive earlier on. I think in both the first and second, there's just so much naivety. Um, slightly touching on the first one, I think the first mistake that Ryan Kent makes in the first one is he's tried to dribble the ball out of. Um, a tight situation um, he's felt the contact and he's tried to keep going see a sensible player in that scenario you just go down and you take the free kick and you get the guys up the pitch and I think similarly for the second one it's Ryan Kent again and his naivety again because for me as you said Colin rule number one in amateur football is if you've got a free kick an opposition get a free kick your team's out of formation you just stand in front of the ball you, you allow your players to get back into shape and Ryan Kent's let his teammates down. But I also think there's an element, there's three things for me. There's, there's the naivety. I also think there's a pedestrianism from the team where we're way off the pace, we're walking, we're slow. Same with the, the, the first goal, same with the second one. We're losing our man, we're letting them go. We're not tracking back. The second one's a touchdown, the one where Gio's going absolutely mental at Lundstrom because he's let his man go. It's then a straight ball through. Um, again, John, I'm going, to, I'm going to disagree. I think the second one's probably the least of the four um, that you can blame the, the goalie, but I think in all four examples, the goalie should be doing better. Um, it's a crap second... finish. Honest, it's a great finish. I wouldn't disagree with that. And, 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 and I've heard folks, oh, he made he, he, McLaughlin went small. He didn't go small. He but I mean, the, key, small. the guys, I don't know, he's six, seven. No, no, don't you. But today I've seen folks saying, oh, McLaughlin, you know, he should make himself big. He made himself big. It's a crap finish. So let's let's not take anything away from the finish. I think Yota's finish is, is first class. I think it's a brilliant finish from a very good footballer, right? I think he'll go for a very high fee when he leaves Celtic, right? McLaughlin's came out and he stood with his arms by his side and he's bent down. See, you're talking about making yourself big. I think it was a PSV game we were talking about keepers like like Andy Gorham. We certainly spoke about Andy Gorham at some point um, in one of the pods that I was on. Andy Gorham would have come out with his hands by his side, making himself massive so that Jota's got a mental block when he's one-on-one with the keeper. The reality is there, when a keeper's standing with his hands by his side, Jota's thinking, I'm just going to pop it into that corner. So for me, that's the one that's probably the least of the four that you can point the finger at the keeper. But I think, unfortunately, I think John McLaughlin showed that he was a number two keeper and the pun is intended. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, John. Uh, like between the goals, especially the first and the second goal, 
uh, you know, Rangers had uh, a, a real good spell of possession, you know, and when we knocked it about, as you were saying, Borna, I thought, I thought Borna was our best player yesterday. I thought him and Stephen Davis were probably the only two that kind of got past marks. I mean, some of the crossings for Borna yesterday, and, and, Cho- and Cholak should, you know, should definitely get an end of one of them. Yeah, that was a great ball. And, but, you know, he had about, I would say, five or six decent, really decent crosses in that first half. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the stats. I looked at the stats today, and I'm I'm not being funny, right? There'll be a lot of Celtic fans watching, thinking that this this is, you know, but a Rangers fan. But see, if you were to look at the stats here and not know the score, you would never have thought it was a, it was a four nothing game. Uh, we had fifty four point nine percent possession. Celtic had 45.1. They had fifteen shots. We had eleven. They had six on target. We had two. Uh, they had seven off target, we had six. Uh, they had an 83% passing success rate. We had an 85% passing success rate. You know, I mean, everything is relatively tit for tat. So, when you look, honestly, when I looked at those stats today, I was like, that does not look like the game I watched yesterday. That, I, I, find them, I find that quite staggering. So, it all comes down to those, those mistakes, really. You know, those key mistakes at key moments of the game it's switching off and also when we had those spells of possession not doing anything with it yeah lies damned lies and statistics um, for me Colic should have scored one at 1-0 one, at uh, he had a a header where he was he got free you know he managed to get between the two centre halves he got the ball he just he just didn't make a good connection and then he had the one he kind of he kind of snapped at it to be fair he could see he could see what he was trying to do he was trying to chip the keeper um, I think they played out they played out poorly I can't actually remember when it came out but, but you know he was 30 yards out or something it wasn't an easy chance but um, on a different day he scores those two and, and it's a different game but you know if you're if your auntie had you know, and he had boys and all that. You know, what does it matter? What does it matter? Uh, you know, he didn't take them, but he should have, um, because we did have um, we did have spells. But uh, you know, the, the, the telling statistic in that, aside from the number of goals scored, is the shots on target. For all that possession, for all that pass completion rate, we didn't hurt them. You know, we had that spell when it was one 0 where, where, as I said, I you know watching it back, I hadn't realised, but you know, we, we should have scored. You know, we definitely had one then. And they felt with the right player. They felt a guy in forum, um, guy who's scoring goals just now. But you know, uh, that aside, it didn't look like we were going to score yesterday. That's a concern. Dougie touched upon the fact that the, the, the team was defensively set up. Um, the game passed Tillman by. Um, I think you and I had touched upon this in, to the week when we were talking, Colin, that, that um, you know Tillman clearly is a. Uh, you know, there's there's a, a chance of a, of an exceptional football player there. He's shown glimpses and, and had moments in games that he has you know been exceptional. And we were both wondering, just you know, if he plays in the Celtic game, what, what will that be? And, and it just passed him by. It was too quick. Yeah. It was too fast. It was too intense. He didn't look like you know he 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 didn't look like he knew what was going on. Now that won't be the case the next time, but it certainly was the case yesterday. And you know, with hindsight, should they have played right instead? Possibly, um, I'm not Wright's biggest fan, but you're right. You know, we had we had the ball. We just we were unable to do what we needed to do with it. Um, unlike Celtic, who had a plan um, in the final third 
I'm not sure what our plan was. Like you say, Bonner's putting crosses. We have a big defence. Their goalie's like six foot eight or something. Yeah. Um, you know, and they have a big defence. You know, we've got one centre forward, a, you know, decent centre forward and a guy who, you know, is a decent height, but, you know, he's no Mark Gailey. So um, I'm not entirely sure that is uh, our best tactic just now. Uh, you know, you can't help but feel you're looking for midfield runners and folk breaking the lines and, and, and we didn't have that yesterday. Uh, the third goal, Dougie, uh, again, just some some ball defender again. I, I think Tillman showed his, his sort of, as John highlighted there, you know, it was a bad day from, you know, his attempt to chase back. I, I can't even remember who it was that put on the cross, but his, his attempt to chase him back was, was pretty poor. Uh, again, kind of similar to the first goal, coming from, from that, that sort of left-hand side there across to the back post. I mean, they got the... Uh, it was bad again you know he struck it fair enough but it's straight at McLaughlin right through his legs you know again uh, if I was taking my turn and goals at the fives and that happened to you you're, you're getting a bit of stick for it you know what I mean you're, you're actually going to get accused of, or were you wanting it you know because you know because you just let that go right through you for a, a Rangers number one keeper to, to let that go through him again I think that was poor I think there's two things that went wrong with the third goal. I think it starts with the fact that Tillman was playing right wing. I don't think we should see Tillman play right wing ever again. Um, there's been so many games in the past. I'm trying to think what the last one was. I thought that you see a player playing in a certain position, you just think, I don't ever want to see you playing in that position again. Tillman doesn't have the work rate or the pace to play right wing. Um, and for that goal, I think he stood off. I think it was Hitati who had the ball, he played it through to Taylor, who was passing by. Tillman needs to be closer to Hitati. He needs to be putting in the challenge, putting him under pressure. He has not. He's, he's very lackadaisical. That's error number one. Um, error number two is nobody's tracking Greg Taylor as he's overtaking him. I think it was either Taylor or Juranovic. I think it was Taylor. Um, Taylor's ran past him. I think Arfield's the closest to him. Nobody's tracking him. He's got an easy ball into the box. Error number two. Error number three is there's no commanding defenders in that box. For me, it's our Achilles heel. That ball across the box, it happened in Seville. You just want to see a defender get their foot right through that and get rid of it. And unfortunately, when we get balls into the box, we're, it's it's too easy sometimes to just, just score against us with a ball getting into the box. That's error number three. Error number four for me is born as miles away from Abada. He should be so much closer to, to Abada. Um, Abada's made a good run, but Bonner's way too often that allows Abada the time to to pick his spot. Error number four. Error number five is he's picked his spot right at the keeper and it's gone through the keeper's legs. There's five errors, and I think going back to John's point earlier on, is you can't just point the finger at the goalie on the fourth goal. It's a catalogue. Everybody's contributed to that goal there. There's five things that's gone wrong in that goal there everyone's easily pointing the, the finger at the keeper because he should be doing better. But I tell you what, Tillman should be doing better. Somebody should be tracking the run. The defender should be clearing it before it's in the box and it's in the box. And Bonner should be clearer to, closer to Abada. It's just a very, very poor goal to concede. And actually, one of the things I, I meant to touch on earlier on about the first goal um, and didn't get a chance to was see when Celtic scored the first goal, I knew that was us. I knew it was going to be a pump and I knew it was going to be a, a heavy defeat because I think one of the biggest things for me that's really wrong just now is the mentality. I, I, I just think 
when that first goal went in, the heads went down. I think the players thought that's us, we're getting beat. Um, and I'm not sure that would happen. It's, it's easy to compare Gio and Gerard. Um, I don't think we'd get pumped. We didn't get pumped at Celtic Park off Celtic. We didn't get pumped off anyone uh, against Gerard. I just don't think that would happen under Gerard. Um, I think the players under Gerard, I think they, they had an arrogance, they had a, a swagger going into certain games and they despised Celtic. And I think when you go into old firm games, you need to you need to hate them. You need to have belief in yourself. And I think um, going straight back to the very first goal, I think we didn't have belief in ourselves. I think we looked a defeated team. And by the time the third goal went in, it was just a matter of how many is it going to be. And actually, as John said earlier on, the only success is it was only four. See, see on that third goal, just sorry. Um, is that Celtic a funny thing? If you watch it back, if you can be masochistic enough. Oh, yes, you're fine. You're fine. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's been interesting because I've seen them do it before. Two of the players stand offside. Right? So, actually, if you look at it, our defence is actually lined up okay. You know, we're lined up, we're in a line, you know, we're expecting a ball in, and two of their players stand offside, and, and not just a step offside, well offside. Well offside. And it's clearly, it's clearly something they work on because it's an unusual tactic. But two of the guys go offside, the defence is then looking at them, so, so our defenders are not near these players, okay, because they're, they're offside. So we either go right into the six-yard box with them, or we leave them there. And, and, and that's actually part, as I said, it must be tactical, it must be something they, they choose to do. Um, but they've got two players offside, um, they then take the shot, the, the throw-in, I can't remember if it was a throw-in or, 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 or a free-kick they had, but um, they, they then take that, and then of course, as the ball comes goes down for the boy to put in the cross, they come back on inside. Okay, they then come into play, right? Um, the boy Bonner's marking, he goes to the front post, so Bonner goes with him. So I, I don't think Dougie's got that quite right. It wasn't Bonner that was that was meant to be on a bad, it was actually Sands. Um, Bonner's gone to the front post with the Greek guy whose name I, I can't say. Um, <laughs> they've gone with him and um, he's gone with him, which he has to do, he has to go with his runner. But it's an interesting tactic they've got. They've got these guys offside um, and defenders don't know what to do. And, and it's an odd thing because this is relatively new. You know, in the past, those guys would just have been offside. As soon as that, um, as soon as the play started like that, um, they would have been offside. As soon as that first ball forward was played, they were offside. Now they're not. Now it's classed as, a, you know, the next phase. They're not offside until until later on. Uh, and it's, you know, tactically, you have to say they got that right. You know, we didn't know how to deal with that. And it means the players end up with all the space um, and our defenders are, are, are not close. We're not able to you know, do what defenders do sometimes, you know, hold on to somebody, barge them, knock them, just, you know, do defending stuff. Um, it, it's a clever tactic and something we're going to have to figure out how to deal with because I've seen them now do it a few times in this league. The fourth goal, John, uh, right, we've gave McLaughlin a hammer in already. So, you know, we know what he done. Uh, I, I, you know, he's basically just handed out in a plate, uh, and you know it's really poor. But it's it's not even just poor for for, for on the day. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how you feel, but I mean, I don't think McGregor's the answer. You know, I think we saw last season that McGregor's days are, are his best days are behind him. You know, the the debate through the summer when McGregor signed his new contract was, well, who's going to be number one? Or who should be number one? Should it be McGregor? Should it be McLaughlin? Are we actually at the stage now when it's like, no, it shouldn't have been either of them. We should have been in the market for a keeper in the summer. 
I, I now feel, and you know something, I felt this season teams were lining up in the tunnel and I saw Joe Hart and McLaughlin standing next to one another. I was kind of like, you know, I wasn't thinking at that point, oh, we're going to get pumped today. I was thinking more long term. I was like, that could be a problem. You know, they've got, all right, Joe Hart isn't the goalkeeper he was. Uh, you know, he was more famous for advertising head and shoulders at one point than he was for, for, for being a goalkeeper, but he's he's more than equipped to, to play at, you know, SPFL level, you know, and he's a better goalkeeper than than, uh, than McLaughlin. So that, straight away, I was like, I think that could be a problem this season. They've, they've got a better keeper, someone who is going to make, you know, decent saves. I thought McLaughlin, when he came in, at the, at the start of the season when when we won 55 you know he started the season I thought he performed very well and convinced me at that time that I thought he could be an option to be number one moving forward but I don't know if it's because he now knows he's number one if the mindset has changed the pressure's getting to him but I've been unconvinced from him for, for most of this season John and I think we are we should be in the market for a new keeper um, Hindsight's a, a wonderful thing uh, we were I think all of us, or most of us, watched McGregor last season and realised, you know, yeah. that that's probably why he's last season. Um, I still think McGregor's a better shot stopper than, than McLaughlin. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think I just think he is as, as instinctively a better shot stopper, but he can't command his box, um, whereas McLaughlin can. You know, and and we have seen that this season where. McLaughlin has come and, and and taken high balls, relieved some pressure, whether he's punched it or caught it. You know, he is good at that. But he isn't as good a shot stopper. And all four of those um goals yesterday, um, you know, three of them were were, were well hit shots from, from fairly close range. Um and uh, and one was, you know, just a gift, an absolute gift. Um you know, there's there's I, I'm willing to give him some Defence for the first three goals. There's nothing you can say about the fourth. Um, you know, the fourth is just an absolute horror show. Um, and the, the only thing that's going to go in his favour is the fact that it was the fourth goal and it wasn't a 1 0 defeat, mm-hmm. in which case he would be absolutely getting hounded just now. Um, I think John McGregor was our number two for a reason. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's not as good a goalkeeper as we've had um, in, in, even in the recent past. You know, he's certainly not Andy Gorham. He's not Chris Woods. He's not Stefan Kloss. You know, and he's not Alan McGregor right? and he's, in his prime. Can he become, can he grow into this jersey? We'll see. You know, he's with us. And, you know, it's, he's there till January unless McCrory gets the nod or, or we bring McGregor back. And I don't think bringing McGregor back is the answer. No. So, and I don't know if McCrory's ready for it or not. Um, he might, you know, he might get a shot. Another performance like that and, and he might get a shot we'll see um, it would be it would be quite a big challenge for a young man to come in and do that but you know we'll, we'll have to see should we have replaced him in the summer again hindsight's great I think most people felt McGregor um, was finished and, and McLaughlin would get a chance I think a lot of people felt McLaughlin had, had probably earned that chance you know I, I, think, I thought he did well against PSV as did everybody else in the team. To be fair, I thought we all had, we, we, we all did well against PSV. I thought he did well against PSV. Um, you know, he was poor yesterday. Um, you know, he was suspect for for that fourth goal, which was just a, a you know horrendous. I don't even know who he was trying to pass it to because my, my Goldson was still there. No, you know, Goldson was there for the square pass. I've not even I, I, you know under the circumstances, I have no idea why he was trying to make that pass. 
um, you know, the game was gone. So but I, I, I think, think he that, wanted it, John. That's the only option I can think of. Why was he? Why not? No, he wanted it. You know, that's that, that's what you do at the fives, isn't it? When you when you're, oh, I'm done. You, know, you just you just pass it to somebody and let them score. And he's right. So he's waited a long time. He's waited a long time to get that, to get this chance. You know, he's been patient. He's waited a while to get this chance. He's got the chance. I think Rangers have got a a, a great history of, of of improving goalkeepers. I remember when Andy Gorham first came. You know, he, he did not look he did not yeah. look like the guy to replace Chris Woods, and of course, he went on to become. You know, one of the, the the greatest goalkeepers in their history. If you know, for some arguably the, the greatest. Um, you know, so I think he can improve. Concentration can improve. Um, you know, he's never going to be Alan McGregor as a stop as a short stopper. I don't think. I just don't think he has that in in his arsenal. Um, but whether his concentration can improve, whether his distribution can improve, whether you know he can grow into the jersey. We'll find out in the next couple of weeks. Certainly, will will we'll tell us something. Um, we don't have any choice, you know. As I said, it's him or McGregor or, or McCrory. So, um, you know, I suspect he'll hold the jersey for uh, the Ajax game, um, and and let's see what he does. It's a lonely position when you make a mistake. Um, you know, you two are not the only ones pointing the finger of blame at McLaughlin for this. Uh, I appreciate that I'm one of a a small band of people who's given him the benefit of the doubt for three of the goals. Um, fourth goal was horrible. Um, should we have brought a new goalkeeper in? I don't think it was. I don't think the management team looked at the budget they had and decided it's best spent on, on bringing in a new goalkeeper. I think they thought we've got cover. Um, that might prove to be a mistake as the season goes on. Um, but, but for now, you know, there's no point in crying over spilt milk. All we need to do is figure out how we improve it. How do we, how do we move forward from this? Uh, Dougie, on, on to Gio, because uh, obviously it's, it's quite a damaging result for him as well, because uh, as, as I said, it's the second humping uh, he's, he's had uh, over at the Piggery, and you know, we, we, we were, we, we, you know, as I said earlier on, we'd went like two years or something without being, you know, defeated by Celtic in the league, and you know, Gerard had built up a, a sort of invincibility against them and, and that's been completely corroded I think you know we, we look like kind of rabbits in the headlights eh, at times when, when we play Celtic and his it's, it's after match comments were, were, were a concern to me so you know because as we said earlier on through the game we're, we're seeing Rangers not picking up but you know Celtic are turning the ball over really quickly the ball boys are, are, are obviously included in this they've all got a ball the minute the ball goes out giving it back keeping the thing going and we're not adapting to it, we're not reacting to it, we look like we're not expecting it. So to hear Gio actually say in his, his, his post-match comments that they'd prepared for this, that this was part of their, their preparation through the week for the game. You know, I, I think that's a worry because it, it says to me that there, there could be a disconnect between the players and, and, and Gio because if, he's, if, if the coaching staff are telling them this is what's going to happen and we're going to prepare for this and then you do the exact opposite, then that, that worries me because, I mean, as, as, as you pointed out earlier on, you know, everyone at Celtic is buying into to, to Postacoglu, you know, he's, he's got a, an ethos and a, and a way he wants to play and he's got buy-in from the boardroom stands. Everyone is behind what he's doing. Players are behind it. So whatever message he's giving the players, they're buying into it and they're, they're, delivering that on the park 
I, I can't say that's happening to Gio. You know, if, if Gio's saying to me, or not just saying to me, sorry, if Gio's saying in his, his post-match comments that they prepared all week for what Celtic were about to do, and then what happens, happens. There, there, there's surely a problem there. I've already said it, Colin. I think what Gio's good at is Gio is a tactical manager. Um, I was on after PSV and I, I spoke very highly of Gio. I think what he's very good at is reading the opposition and predicting certain things and setting the team up to counter and all that good stuff. And on the other hand, is a plan A. He's a plan A manager. He sets his team out to play a certain way. They go and play a certain way. And in most games in Scottish football, they steamroll teams. Um, I think it will be in Europe. It's a big test for, for Celtic. Um, I think the biggest concern that I have about um, about the disconnect is that Gio has given those players tactics and they've not they've not executed them. That for me is the biggest concern. He's told them around the fast set pieces. They've not followed it. These players have followed the tactics before. They've followed it in Europe. Um, they followed it in our success getting to the Scottish Cup final, including beating Celtic, which proves that we can do it. Um, they did it by being in their faces, as John touched on earlier. They were in their faces, they were aggressive. I think that proves that there is no disconnect between the players and the manager. I think, and it's just my personal opinion, it all comes down to mentality. I think the players just froze at Celtic Park yet again. And I know we're going to talk about our record. I think we've mentioned the record. I think there's a wider issue than just Celtic Park. I think there's an issue around our away form in general. Um, I've seen some stats earlier on um, around our away form. So we've had 13 away league games in the 2022 calendar year. Six wins, five draws and two defeats. Two of them are against Celtic. It's a 46% win rate. We've scored 22 and we've had 19 against. There's your problems. There's a mentality problem going to Celtic Park that we've had two defeats. But something is not working going away from home. I don't know what it is. Um, it could be mentality. We're going to come on and talk about the players um, and the transfers available to us. I think that I think I think he gets tactics massively wrong, but I think his tactics were very limited by the players at his, dis- at his disposal. So I think there's two massive things for me. There's the player recruitment, and I think there's a the mentality. I think both of them have contributed. I don't think there's a disconnect between the manager and the players. And I think when you're watching the players singing Sweet Caroline over in Eindhoven, I think that proves that there was a togetherness between the, amongst the squad and particularly between Gio and Alex of his captain, James Tavernier. Apologies. To be fair, that's the best you've sounded all programme so far for me. Best I've, sound, best I've sounded since I started this shit, John, to be fair. It's probably the best thing I said and no one heard it. There you are. That's it. And it's gone. Gone forever. Uh, if, if there is no disconnect, John, between the players and Gio, which I'm not entirely convinced of, I, I think there is an issue, uh, then why are we struggling away from home domestically? You know, so uh, looking at the numbers here, 10 away fixtures in 2022, uh, and he's won four. Now, that's that, that's not championship winning form away from home. You know, if you're going to be winning league titles, you have to be doing more than that. Uh, and And it's... The thing that's really puzzling is, you know, in Europe, we're, we're the total opposite. You know, we're, we're, we're overachieving in Europe. The we're bread we're and not the total stuff. opposite. That's the thing. We're not particularly, I mean, other than the PSV game, we're not actually all that good away from home in Europe either. Um, you know, our, our Ibrox has become a, an absolute fortress uh, under under Van Bronckhurst, but actually away from home, it's not actually been all that good. 
um, in Europe either. You know, results away from home have have been mixed, shall we say? Um, the PSV no, Dortmund, Dortmund, yeah, and Dortmund was was one of these incredible nights. But if you actually look at it, you know, away from home in Europe, we've we uh, it's been at home that we've been uh, we've been dominant. It's been at home we've been really good. Um, I'm agreeing with what you're saying. You know, the waveform isn't good enough. Um, I, I read a thing recently um, about Van Bronckers uh, uh, that there was the same issue at Feyenoord. That Feyenoord's away form um, under him wasn't good. The one season that they had good away form was the season they won the league. Uh, and the other two seasons he was in charge, their, their away form was very poor. Their home form was magnificent. You know, going to their ground was, was a, a, a real challenge for every team in that league, but their away form was poor. And, and is that... You know, is that his Achilles heel? I don't know, maybe. Um, but it, he's going to have to figure out how to solve that very quickly because you can't get away with that in, in Scotland. Um, you know, you need to be winning away games. That's where the league is won. The league will be won at Tynecastle and Pataudry and, frankly, um, at Ross County and at Livingston because, you know, these are where we dropped the points. These are where we picked up draws last season that we needed to turn into wins. Um, and if we do it again this season, we'll come second. So he does need to fix it. I agree with Dougie. I don't think there is a disconnect with the players. Um, are, are there some players who have bought into what he does more than others? Of course there is. You get any group of men together like that, there are going to be ones who who, who buy into it and you'll be ones who, who maybe don't buy into it quite as much. And I guarantee that's the case in every changing room in every club in the country. Um, but I think overall, um, the, the, the players have bought into what he's doing. Um, we've had some exceptional results under them and we've had some bad ones and unfortunately the really bad ones have come against Celtic um, and uh, and yesterday was one of them why that's happening why are they why are the players not listening to his tactics um, I don't know um, you know why are they not taking on board his instructions which frankly you know the thing about you know switching on at, at um, set pieces you know I, I don't really feel that is something that needs to be Told to you before, match. I mean, yeah. professional football players, you know, they watch sports scene, they'll figure out that's how Celtic play. That there is a, there is a, a speed and dynamism to, to how they play. And, you know, you yourself saying even the ball boys throwing the ball in it. You know, everybody knows that's how they play. The players shouldn't need to be reminded about that. The fact they were reminded about it and somehow forgot is frustrating, um, worrying to an extent, but, but perhaps um, something at least that can be fixed. Um, you know, at least if we can look at that and say, well, you know what, this, that shouldn't be the hardest thing in the world for folk to remember. Um, but I do think that away form is, is of concern, and I do think that's something that seems to have followed Van Bronckhorst in his career. Uh, and eventually, I think it cost him his job at Feyenoord. Um, and uh, it will cost him his job at Rangers if he doesn't, if he doesn't figure out how to fix that. And I think that would be a great pity because I think he's got a great deal to, um, he's brought a great deal to the club. Um, but he needs to solve that and he needs to sort it soon. I wouldn't be encouraging any of our players to watch sports, but that's that's another issue, John. Uh, before we, we continue, I need to mention uh, one of our other partners at Football Prizes. They're, they're currently offering you the chance to win a Stephen Davis signed Rangers shirt uh, presented in a bespoke frame uh, and custom backdrop and LED lights and a built-in TV. Seriously, a bill in TV. Uh, entry is £3.95. Uh, there's a maximum of 199 tickets available. Uh, the deadline is this Wednesday uh, and it will be shown live on the Football Prizes uh, Facebook page at 12 o'clock on Wednesday. So if you want a chance to win that, uh, get yourself on to www.footballprizes.co.uk. Uh, right, Dougie, the 
the disconnect that we're talking about or the no disconnect, you know, as John said there, you know, some, some players have buy-in, some players don't, that kind of thing. I think too that I think if that is the case, that aren't buying into this is one is Ryan Kent. I think his uh, influence on, on Rangers has, has went down considerably since Stephen Gerrard left the club. And Ryan Jack, you know, I found it quite interesting that Ryan Jack started the game against Queen of the South because that told you almost straight away that he wasn't starting on Saturday. And there was a time under Stephen Gerrard that he would have been the first, probably the first guy in the team, the, 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 the team sheet on a, on a Saturday against Celtic. So his influence and, and, and his stature has, has went down as well since since Geo's came in. Uh, so, and I mean, is that a concern for you? As for me, and, and to me, it could point to wider issues. You're going to hate me again, Ray, because I'm going to say there's no disconnect between the players. I'm going to put it down to fitness for Ryan Jack in particular. Um, Ryan Jack's a brilliant player. I spoke about it at the beginning. Um, of the season on I think the very first podcast that I think we're a much better team when Ryan Jack's um, when Ryan Jack's in it the problem with Ryan Jack just now is I think he looks overweight I genuinely do and I don't think that's down to a disconnect with the manager I think that's down to um, a recurring knee problem that, that restricts him being able to to train harder to to get himself into a level of fitness I think Ryan Jack's playing days are, are going to be numbered um, long term because of his injury and he's one of around seven or eight players who are out of contract in the summer. If he's going to uh, get a new contract, he needs to get himself fitter and start contributing to the first team. That's me on Ryan Jack, I'm afraid to say, um, and I love him, but I, I think fitness is his big issue. Um, Ryan, Kent, Ryan Kent's had his fitness problems as well. Um, I don't think it's fitness for Ryan Kent, no. I think if you look at the Celtic game in particular, I think the problem with Ryan Kent in that game was the formation. I think it was the tactics. I think we had three mid, very deep-lying midfielders and three um, players further up the pitch. And I think there was just too big a gap between midfield and, and, and up front. And therefore, what we were asking Ryan Kent to do was to come back very deep, pick up the possession, and then try and carry it up himself because there was nobody else in front of him. And I think he was being um, put in a position where he was never going to win. You know, you look at the first goal, he's trying to beat three players because he had nobody in front of him. Well, he actually did, but um, in that occasion he did. But I think for me, Ryan Kent, the problem is around, um, he needs other players around him that can help him. He's better when we're on the front foot and there's been so many games since Geo's came in that Ryan Kent has been key and a point at Europe and you can, I think the European games show that there's no disconnect between the players and the manager I think it comes down to mentality again. And I, I just keep on reflecting on a comment that I seen on Twitter yesterday. And it was if we became a European side. And what's in my head just now is objectives for the year. What is it the players want to get out of the season? In the 2020-21 campaign, I don't know if you've seen any of Jermaine Defoe interviews recently, but Defoe said when the players were into pre-season that, that summer, they were just focused on one thing and that was winning the league all they wanted that season was to just win the league and he said that he's seen a steeliness in that pre-season where the players were all just determined to go and win the league and I think if you spoke to any Rangers fan that season every Rangers fan would have told any Rangers player if they'd seen them go and win the league I think 55 was just the priority in that season you fast forward a season looking at last season 
I think we, as a support, started thinking about Europa League final very quickly in season. And I think the players might have as well. And therefore, they've taken their eye off the domestic game to focus on the big nights at Ibrox under the spotlights, getting to the big occasion. And I hate to say it, I think that's the problem this season as well. I think too many players have been focused on, we want to go one better than last year. We want the Champions League group stages. And I think it's very difficult to be a, a team that's successful domestically and in Europe. And for me, I think we've got our priorities wrong. I think, you know, we keep seeing about reminders. Um, this should be a rocket up the players' arses. It should be a, you know, a, a kick up the arse for Gio. Um, but I think a lot of the reminding that needs to be done right now, and I said it after PSV, we needed to get into the Champions League group stages financially. But for me, the league is our bread and butter. And I think it's important that the players, we're in September. There's a long season to go. We've only dropped five points, right? There's a, a long way to go. The league is not over. The league's not won or lost in September. So I think the league is not over, despite some people on social media saying that it is. Um, I think the point here is we need to, to refocus on what our objectives are for the year. We're in the group stages. We've got the money. We've got the glamour games. I think the manager needs to be telling the players the league is a priority this year. Get your head back in the league. Win the league. If you win the league, you're in the group stage of the Champions League again next season. And you've got the finances to strengthen the team again at that point. I just think we need to reprioritise our, our, our objectives. John, on, on, on making the, the Champions League group stages, you know, you know, after the home leg against PSV, I think we all felt it was, it was going to be a big ass. Not impossible, especially considering some of the results this group have, have achieved in Europe. But, you know, I think most of us were thinking it, would, it, was, it was a big ask. But we've done it. You know, a great night over in, in, in Eindhoven. I think most of us felt at that point there's bound to be additions to the squad. You know, they've had the sales of, of Bassey, Aribo, eh, Patterson. They got 1.5 million through the bank there for eh, Gilmore moving. They then get the Champions League cash. So I, I think most of us felt there would have been some movement uh, on, on transfer deadline day, you know, maybe one or two coming in. Has the decision not to do that, is that now looking like it could cost us? It's difficult to justify or defend not buying players when you just lose for nothing um, to Celtic. Um, there's a couple of things worth bearing in mind. I mean, you know, the club, for, for whatever criticism, and I've heard a lot of criticism over the last 24 hours, laid it. Uh, you know, everybody's been criticised from, from the board through to Ross Wilson, through to the manager, through to the backroom staff not getting folk fit through the players, right? Because that's what we do. It's an EGF to, to, to a terrible result, okay? But if you actually look at the transfers, you know, we didn't start looking at this. You know, this game, we started looking at this transfer window, you know, probably this time last year, but certainly back in, in at the beginning of this year. So we knew coming into this transfer window what we had in mind. Um, and, and if you actually look at it, it was realistically six players have left the club. Um, Itten, who was replaced by, by, by Kolic, and, and I think that's an improvement. Um, Balogun, 
who has been replaced by Davies and, and um, so, so um, and we don't know if that's an improvement or not because neither of them has been fit for long enough for us to tell. Um, Aribo, who has probably been replaced by um, Lawrence um, with Tillman coming in as, as, as another kind of interesting player in, in a similar position. Bassey, who we haven't replaced, who I, I don't know if we can replace him. You know, the lad Redvans come in, he's a fullback. You know, Bassey had this amazing ability to be as good at fullback as he was at, at centre half. Um, you know, and I don't think, um, looking at the, the, the young Turkish boy, I don't think he's ever going to play centre half for us. But he may turn out to be a tremendous left back. Um, and then Katic and Zakowski. Katic, who, who, you know, got the injury and, and really never played again for us. Uh, and Zakowski, who, who you know, was really with us for six months, and, and we all kind of scratched our head a little bit, and and, and he's gone away now because I think they think Divine um, is a is a more than ample number two to to our captain. So um, they're the six that have gone, um, and we've you know we've brought in players and we've promoted players from within. Would it have been nice to have seen us bring in um, somebody who is an, a, a, someone who walks straight into that first team? Yes, it would. I think every single. Football support in the land likes to see their team bring in a player who, who instantly strengthens your first eleven. Um, you know, one of the big criticisms I've heard over the last day um, is that none of the the new signings, none of the summer signings, finished the game yeah. yesterday. Yeah, you know, um, and, and that's fair enough. Um, you know, that's fair enough. Um, you know, none of them did. Uh, as we've gone through there, um, you know, I think. I think if, if either if Davies is fit, he plays instead of Sands, and I think if Suter's fit, he plays instead of Sands. The fact that all three of them are injured, you, know, you can point the finger at um, certainly Suter. Everybody knew Suter was 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 injury prone before he came. Uh, I don't know a great deal about Davies. I don't know um, what his career was like before he came to us, um, and whether he's another player that's injury prone. Alander was certainly injury prone. Um, so you know we need to stop buying centre halves who are prone to injury you know you look, look releasing Balligan looks like a big a, a mistake every time uh, every game that goes on and I actually like, like quite like Sands I think Sands has done quite well but yeah. um, you know I think I'd still have preferred Balligan playing yesterday um, but you know that that is what it is <laughs> this financial fair play thing has has reared its head in the last kind of 48 hours um, clearly the club knew about it and that the club were being investigated um, and had been put on, I think, the term of special measures, um, where we have to supply additional information um, to UEFA. Um, and we're not the only club, there's quite a few clubs, and there were some clubs, from what I can read of it, and, and I may have got this, this wrong, and if, if I have, I, I do apologise, but from what my reading of it is, it was basically only COVID that stopped us being fined. Um, that COVID, um, because of what happened with COVID, clubs were allowed to to breach financial fair play because of the, the loss of income that COVID COVID created, and because of that, the club didn't get fined, but have been put on a um, on a kind of list along with a whole host of other clubs. But there were some clubs who did get fined, um, and and let's be frank, we just can't afford to get fined. You know, we're, we're we've we've had a good season this season, but the ones previous to this have not been good. Um, you know, we have lost a significant amount of money as a club and we can't keep on going 
losing money and we cannot expect the directors to keep putting their hands in their pockets. These, are, these guys are not billionaires. They are wealthy men. They are wealthy businessmen. They've done well. They're not billionaires. Um, they're not, you know, we're, we're not owned by, by um, a, 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 a country. You know, we're not owned by, we're not some sultan's plaything. Um, you know, the guys who own the club are Rangers supporters and they've done well on their lives and they have some money um, and they've been good enough to, to, to put it into the club to keep the club going forward and rebuild it. At some point that has to stop because at some point they're going to want their money back. Um, and, and if nothing else, they, they get to a point where they can no longer put money in. So I do think that the the model for the club is one that we are all going to have to get used to. Um, I think you will see players... Um, like Lowry, if he, when he if he gets fit again or when he gets fit again, McCann, um, Devine, I think players like that, King, I think you'll see more of them this season. I think the whole point of having this the the B team in the Lowland League and the money that we spend on the the academy is so that we 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 use these players, and I think we'll see more of that and less of the the big signing who comes in, um, and as a support we have got very used to the big signing coming in. That's just something that, that has happened at Rangers for a long, long time. You know, arguably since, since you and I started going to watch Rangers, you know, certainly since mm-hmm. Tudis came in, you know, we have got used to, we have a problem in our team, we go and buy something to fill that hole. Okay. And I think, and realistically, I don't think that's what's, what's the model for Rangers now. The model for Rangers now is to break even. We'll have to either qualify for the Champions League or we'll have to sell somebody for quite a lot of money. And that's the model. Um, because there is not the income in Scottish football just now for us to have a team um, the size of Rangers uh, and the expense it costs to run a club like Rangers. So am I disappointed that we didn't bring in somebody? Yes, I'm a little bit. I think it's always nice to get a new face coming in. I think a new face coming in, particularly if it's a, a player who who instantly challenges for a first-team jersey, keeps everybody on their toes, brings something to the squad, um, is exciting for supporters. Um, am I surprised we didn't? No, not particularly, because I just don't think that's that's where we are just now as a club. Um, the money, there must be some money available. You know, there must be, um, you know, I think if we had somebody in mind, uh, I think the money was there to bring them in, whether somebody didn't want to come, whether, you know, the, the, whether the, the, the backroom team and, and Ross Wilson felt that, you know, we've got enough just now. I don't know. You know, I don't have that kind of insight. But I do think it is something we will have to get used to. Um, and I don't think it's something we're going to like because I think we have been used to, to being a club who, who, you know, goes in and, and buys finished articles rather than, than bringing in guys like Tillman um, and frankly, Bassey and, and build them up and then sell them because I think that is now what we're having to do. Um, and because of that, um, we're, we're, our squad is not as strong as perhaps it's going to be in the, in the past. Okay, one final point. Uh, we've slightly overran. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you one sort of last comment on Champions League on Tuesday. So obviously, Wednesday night, sorry, but. First time in the Champions League in 12 years. Ajax away from home. Uh, they won today, or yesterday, sorry, over the weekend, 4-0. Wanted to talk quickly, wanted to talk about the, the pricing structure for the, the three-match package because a lot of anger online for, for some supporters. I was £270, I think it was, for my, my two tickets for me and my son, uh, which, you know, my son's season ticket is £150 and they wanted 96 for the three-match package, which is 
pretty much two thirds of the full cost of his, his season ticket. Uh, I, I'm getting a bit pissed off with the, the, the monetization of the Rangers support, I have to admit. Uh, and, and this was another thing that just added to that. I was just thoroughly scunnered with it, to be honest with you. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's a disconnect just now between the board and the supporters. I think, as you said, I think we're being used as a cash cow at the moment, and that's certainly how it feels. Um, it's the max that UEFA allow any club in Europe to to charge supporters. That's the level of what um, what we are being charged just now from the club to go and watch our team. I get that it's a big competition. It's a Champions League. We could benefit from the finances. Um, it comes down to um, whether the fans will pay it or not. And I think you compare our pricing structure to across the city, um, we're, what is it, 180 is the max for us, yeah, £60 a ticket. Celtics is 129. The difference is we'll pay the 180. Um, no problem at all. And therefore the club know that they can charge that. I think one of the things that, that pisses a lot of fans off just now with it is, is twofold. One, um, Celtic are offering a, um, a monthly payment package, which we are not during a cost of living crisis. And, um, sorry, John, I disagree again. I think supporters would understand paying £180 for three games if that money was reinvested. I think Champions League money um, on ticket sales alone comes out around £7.5 million. Pounds. I think when you consider the Europa League um, money that we earned, compensation from Gerard, the Patterson sale, the, the Bassey, the Aribo sales. Um, I understand that we're a club that's going to have to manage our finances with FFP looking after us and all that good stuff. But I think, um, going back to the Champions League prices, I think the disconnect comes right now that us fans have been asked to pay that money and we're not seeing it being reinvested in the team right now. Colin, I'm, I've got loads of material here on the squad, but I'm going to, I'm going to finish on one question, right? It's something that one of my mate Andy had, had said earlier on, right? And I'm going to ask you both and see if you know the answer to this. Do you know who the last player was that we spent, um, the last central midfielder that we spent over £1 million on to sign? Uh, no. As long as it wasn't Ian Black. Uh, you're, not, you're not going to say Barry Ferguson, are you? It was Carlos Pena. That's how far back it was. That's how little investment has been put in our midfield. And for me, I think we keep looking at the squad every season and there's glaring weaknesses. Central midfield, number eight, box-to-box player to sit beside Lundstrom and a right winger. I think we failed to sign a proper central midfielder that meant that we had to play a 37-year-old at Celtic Park and we failed to sign a proper right winger that meant that the right winger that we actually bought is better in a left, didn't even make the bench. We went with Tillman on the right rather than Scott Wright who's on the bench. Um, so there's, 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 there's major criticisms for me. There's the criticism of the board around providing the finances. There's criticism of Ross Wilson around how he's spending the money. And I have major criticism of Geo as well. Um, my criticism of Geo, and it's my last part in point around this, is is he a yes man? Is he is he the yes man for the board who doesn't challenge the board? Um, would Gerard allowed us to have not spent a penny of the Champions League money before transfer deadline day? I don't think so. I think Gerard would have been banging that door down to strengthen the team. And I personally am very very disappointed at our lack of transfer activity. There you go. And on that note, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap things up. Before we go, I, I need to give a, a mention to our final partners at uh, Forest Precision Engineering. Uh, they're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company, a uh, big commercial supporter of the club. 
you can get them on their website at www.forestprecisioning.com. Uh, they also have an executive lounge at Ibrox uh, if you want information about that and how you can visit that. Uh, email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Uh, so a big thanks to uh, John and Dougie for having to you know, endure uh, <laughs> the last hour and 15 minutes. As, as I say, we've, we've kind of overran a wee bit, but obviously a lot to talk about. And there's lots of Tim's watching, so we want to keep them up as late as possible. As well. so, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, myself and Eck will be doing a preview show on Tuesday night for uh, the IX game of, of return to the Champions League for the first time in 12 years. Uh, the show was live tonight. Uh, it's a Sunday night we were live, but the, the show will be available to download and, or uh, stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher and Spotify. Uh, guys, horrible weekend. Uh, it feels like we've came full circle again. You know, we're getting pumped off them again fairly regularly. But hopefully things will turn around and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back on board. Uh, I'll see you on Tuesday night. Uh, so until then, bye for now.